Support for the Lincoln Project podcast comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who've switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com Lincoln. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Lincoln. Odoo, modern management made simple. Hey everyone, it's Reed. Before we get started, I just want to wish everybody a happy and healthy holiday season. I know these are uncertain times. I know you might have a lot of tough conversations, but just know you can always find what you need here at the Lincoln Project, lincolnproject.us. I hope you'll share what we're doing. I hope you'll share this podcast. And again, I hope you enjoy your time with friends and family. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to The Lincoln Project. I'm your host, Reed Galen. Today, I'm joined by Trig Beals, Senior Advisor to The Lincoln Project and owner of Viking Strategies, LLC, a public affairs and political consulting firm based here in Washington, D.C. Trigvi has been with us nearly since the beginning and has done an incredible amount of work for the pro-democracy movement overseas and here at home. Trigvi, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Reed. There's so much to start with, but I want to start overseas in a place I think you know pretty well. So last week, for the first time in a while, but again, Donald Tusk of the civic movement was elected prime minister of Poland. This was after, what, nearly a decade, maybe a decade of law and justice, a sort of right wing sliding further into the right wing. They're pretty right wing. I mean, they've always been really right wing. So what did that tell you? I mean, it's the eastern flank of NATO, along with the Baltics. It's a very culturally conservative country to begin with. Nobody thinks that Poland is Poland is not Denmark. So what does that say to you that, that the civic movement was able to do well enough to move law and justice out of government and sort of reestablish what we would think of as sort of a liberal democratic coalition. Yeah. So what's interesting about Poland. So Poland, I've done a ton of work in Poland going back. In fact, the first work I ever did internationally and the first time I was ever outside the U.S. other than Canada or Mexico was to Poland to do work. So what you have to understand about Poland is, you know, the, the Communist Party in Poland, Poland was essentially occupied. You had the Communist Party when Poland became independent, Lech Walesa was president of Poland for a period. And then the country kind of split up, but it didn't split up like a lot of them did where you have a left and a right. What you had was a center right and a right. And that right became more and more right. The Kaczynskis, who were the pair of brothers who were president of Poland and prime minister and ran law and justice, they dominated for about 10 years. One of them died actually in a plane crash that, you know, there were a lot of conspiracy theorists because it was in Russia, but they became more paranoid and autocratic very much in some ways, the way the far right in the U.S. has become so. Civic Platform, which was Twiss Party, was in power. They lost power to law and justice in an election about a decade ago. And the problem is everybody in that sort of more moderate centrist space They fractured and they were all trying to be the guy instead of working together. They were bigger if they were united than law and justice would be, but they weren't united. They were in pieces. 
And it really wasn't until law and justice started to go pretty full on autocratic, messing with the rule of law, messing with the Supreme Court, that they finally got to a place where those factions said, you know what? All of these other pieces are irrelevant. If we don't unite to confront this, we are going to descend into a place where we never have an opportunity to hold power. They came together and, you know, they recognized that some of the differences that they had on economic issues, that they had on cultural issues were far less important than maintaining Poland's place as a democratic society and not allowing the rule of law and sort of autocracy, albeit soft autocracy, to take hold. Yeah, which they see obviously real autocracy to their east in Belarus and Russia and to their southwest in Hungary every day. But let me ask you this. So law and justice, I don't want to say they went quietly, but it was a peaceful transition of power. Well, they got drubbed pretty good. I mean, they got the most votes in the election because they're the biggest plurality, but they're not the majority. And so, you know, they got beat 60-40, right? And the way that you end up confronting these kinds of forces autocratic sort of leaning forces, whether they be more of the soft variety, like an Orban or what law and justice was, or the harder variety, Putin or Lukashenko, people like that, is you have to set aside everything else and recognize the game you're in, not the one that you're used to playing. I mean, I was just having a conversation with somebody in the last couple of days about Liz Cheney, because I've been reading Liz's book. And They're like, well, there's all these, you know, she's so pro-life and all these different issues that they disagree with them on. And I said, you're not going to be able to fight about those things if Donald Trump comes back. You and Liz Cheney are both going to be in a bad place because Donald Trump isn't playing that game. He doesn't really care about the nuances. He may pay lip service to it of what abortion policy is in the United States. If Donald Trump had to be pro-choice or pro-life or, you know, ban abortions under any circumstances or abortion on demand, to have power, Donald Trump would be that. You don't get to fight about that in an autocratic country. So in this particular case, I was saying this person, you being like, Liz Cheney's not with me. Yes, she is with you. Well, I've said this before. The pro-democracy spectrum in the United States stretches from Liz Cheney to AOC. Okay. There's a lot of space there. As you say, Donald Trump and MAGA, they're somewhere out here. It doesn't apply to them, nor do they want to be part of it. Because they're not playing that game, right? Reed. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Democracy is foundationally a win-win scenario. You get part of what you need. I get part of what I need. We can debate. We can go back and forth. Donald Trump's not playing that game. And the autocrats, Vladimir Putin doesn't play that game. Any autocrat doesn't play that game. They're playing a zero-sum game. For me to win, you have to lose. And when you lose, I'll make sure you lose all the time and forever to the extent possible. As much as I have to have, you might get a win now and then, but that isn't win-win. That's strategic on my part because I have to compromise because the only objective that autocratic actors have is to gain power and maintain power. And they all do it the same way. They do it by demonstrating inevitability and invincibility through fear. And this is why, you know, I was having another conversation with somebody and they're like, well, Nikki Haley's not an alternative. And I said, Nikki Haley may not be an alternative, but she's on your side right now because she's out criticizing Trump. And so the difference between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley is if Nikki Haley and Joe Biden are running against each other, 
both of them are going to adhere to the outcome of the election and you can have a real debate about policy differences and whatnot. If Donald Trump, who is going to be the nominee, I believe, of the Republican Party is running against Joe Biden, then your choice is between democracy or autocracy. And that is a huge difference. Support for the Lincoln Project podcast comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who've switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable, all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash Lincoln. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash Lincoln. Odoo, modern management made simple. Last week as we were recording this, there was a headline, I think it was from Media, one of those, you know, it was a clickbait headline, yeah. I think, that said, Nikki Haley beats Donald Trump by 17. Well, let's be clear. You didn't ask the right question, Mr. Polster, which is how many Trump voters don't participate if and when he loses a nomination? And the, the answer is somewhere between 20 and 30 million. So, yeah, in a normal world, could Nikki Haley beat Joe Biden by 17? I don't think so. But also you're not taking into the account that so many of these people only came for Trump. They're only here for Trump. And it's not like Trump would go to Milwaukee in July, stand on the stage with his hand over Nikki Haley and say, she's our standard bearer. I'm with her into no. the fall. No, but on the off chance that somebody were to upend Trump, it would be it actually for the sake of democracy, probably be a good thing, because I think what would happen right away is you would see the implosion of the Republican Party into two factions, the zero sum extremist Trumpist MAGA party. And the other piece of the Republican Party that sort of sits there, but is at least committed to democracy, honoring elections, rule of right. law, things like that. And that divide probably would be, you know, that would be a good thing because yeah. it would take away what we're facing now, which is, you know, the most likely scenario is what we had in 2020, which is really a choice between democracy or the end of democracy in the United States. Now, is it full-blown Putin-esque autocracy? Not yet. If, not if Trump wins? I don't know. You know, I mean, you have to understand that these guys always signal. Hitler wrote a book, Mein Kampf, Stalin. It was clear where Stalin was going. Lukashenko, Putin, all these guys, they signal. Autocratic signaling is what I started calling it on Twitter. Erdogan. Uh, Erdogan, Orban, all of them. Right. All of them. And they, they're different signals. Like, for Erdogan, it might be a poem he read about, you know, that Islam yeah. is the weapon. For Mohammed bin Salman, it might be chopping up a reporter that disagrees <laughs> with him, right? right? But they all send their signals. They all signal. They all want the legitimacy that comes with democracy. But when Donald Trump is talking about Insurrection Act on day one, or his supporters are, you have to take them at their word. And when Donald Trump's talking about internment camps, I suspect that, you know, Trump isn't looking to have a soft Orban-esque, in his own mind, right. soft Orban-esque autocracy. No. Donald Trump is thinking full-on autocratic rule. Well, and these guys move fast. They do right? move fast. They move right. very fast because they don't want, you know, as, as I, I talked about two weeks ago with Rick, that, you know, Trump wants to fill a vacuum. There's a lot of vacuums in American politics, and Trump has always been 
I'm going to use the word brilliant, and I don't mean that like he's a member of Mensa, but he instinctually understands how to fill those vacuums. He thinks he's a member of Mensa. He, well, he, yeah. Talk to his sister. It's not actually true. But no. As no, you and, and I both have. Well, that's why I remember. That's why he always threatens any school he ever went to within an inch of their lives, you know, with lawsuits for, you know, releasing his grades. I think we all know what his grades look like. And let's be clear, Fred probably paid for it anyway. Especially Fred. Fred, especially if everybody knew who and what Donald was. But let's talk a little bit about the fight we're in. We're talking a little bit about Trump and the MAGAs and that they continue to go further and further into the extreme. You now have Speaker Mike Johnson, who, you know, thinks he's Moses and is one of these guys who, you know, it's amazing that they still haven't figured out how to be Speaker yet, his whole office, that he's on camera giving a speech a few weeks back at the beginning of December talking about he's been called by God, all these other things, doesn't realize he's actually on camera, which I think tells you everything else too, right? But he's not Kevin McCarthy. He's not Steve Scalise. No. Right? This is a very different kind of person sitting in that chair. He, you know, as we're recording this is now, you know, they're talking about bringing the impeachment inquiry against President Biden, where, you know, he's going to cost maybe a dozen or 15 of his guys, their seats with this vote. That's a terrible vote. Even if they voted to impeach him, I don't think that that redounds to the Republicans benefit. And he's not going to be convicted in the United States Senate. And you can make an argument. I know that nowadays politics isn't about policy, but you could make an argument, Trigby, that the Republican House of Representatives in 2023 going into 2024 has gotten less done than maybe any majority in recent memory. And the only things they have gotten done is because Biden and the Democrats hornswoggled them. Well, I mean, they did eventually elect a Speaker of the House. So, oh, yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, <laughs> it go. took six I weeks mean, or I, whatever yeah, it was. <laughs> right. I mean, 15 votes. And uh, like when you can't do that, it probably doesn't bode well for what's going to come down right. the line. You know, so again, like the Mike Johnson thing, I got, I'm, I'm shilling for Liz Cheney's book here, but like Liz Cheney's book, you know, talks a lot about Mike Johnson and she clearly, when she was writing the book, didn't know that Mike Johnson was going to become speaker, right? Like, no, but she's been around long but enough. She, and well, she's she might've, she might've had she, a sense. She had maybe. a, she had him pegged like that guy. Yeah. But, um, you know, he was a ringleader of the election denial stuff right. and she talks quite a bit about it in the book, which quite frankly, might be one of the pieces of why her book is it adds to the conversation because it's giving the perspective of somebody who's very much on the inside and knew all of these people. Well, and not He's only that, a weird who, dude, though, Reed. No, listen, I mean, that the weirdness. Right. I don't understand. You know, let me just let me just take a step aside. I'm sorry to, to get animated. I don't understand why there are so many guys like us, our generation, our cohort, people who like to watch football on Saturdays and Sundays. Right. Red Dawn fans who go along with the weirdness that is the Republican, quote unquote, alpha male, whether or not it's Trump, who is not athletic and wears makeup, right? Or Elon Musk, who is not athletic, who has hair plugs and is a freak show, or Vivek Ramaswamy, who is the most annoying person to be on a stage in a long time, or Andrew Tate, right? This MM, you know, sort of quasi-failed MMA fighter who's now under indictment in Romania for sex trafficking, like Joe Rogan, the all-in guys, Jordan Peterson, you know, Tucker Carlson and the ball tanning. Like, I don't get any of it. No, I don't, I don't understand it. You know, I mean, the Mike Johnson, like, my son and I monitor each other's porn use, right? Like, what it's is that? It's so weird. 
It's weird. And then I, this is the other thing that kind of drives me nuts. I was watching the Republican debate, right? The last one, which, you know, most people didn't, but kind of had to. No one missed it. Right. right. No, you didn't miss much. Other than Chris Christie, I will say, was hammering on Trump pretty good, yeah. which is a good thing. Again, Chris Christie is never my cup of tea, never my part of the Republican Party, whatever. But, but in a real politics way. But he's way, my ally. He's my ally right. when he's attacking right. Trump. Yeah, he's a and, means to an end. Yeah. And did he appease Trump and did it take him longer to find where he needed to be than right. it did some others? Yeah. But you know what? At this point, we need every ally that we can get. So if Chris Christie's going to be an ally right now, good. You have to be very zero sum in your approach to understanding these things. And you take whatever ally you get. Your enemy's enemy is your friend. But this is what I don't get. Like DeSantis. All this Fox tough guy shit. Like that guy, I would be shocked if Ron DeSantis has ever really been in a fist fight in his life. He's the kind of guy growing up playing hockey that's running his mouth in the bar what a tough guy he is. And then when somebody has to drop the gloves, he wants somebody else to do it for him because that's who he is. And it's so antithetical to sort of what Red Dawn 80s males grew up with yeah. and yet rocky, they seem right? to right rocky four was the good guy versus the bad guy embodied in rocky it. balboa and even Dra and ivan drago right we came of age at a period of time when americans and america stood up for things two bullies the bear in the woods right and this is what i don't understand i mean like the people that are red dawn sort of particularly the ones who became conservative out of that era yeah. there's going to be some people probably listening to this who ended up moving more leftward. But for the ones who became conservative, like Donald Trump is that guy that you all knew in college who you didn't really like. And the Russia thing is a fascinating insight into that because the Russians have been doing what they're doing in Ukraine going all the way back to when we were kids in the 80s. And right. I, I said it before and I said and it back again. to the 30s. If Vladimir Putin could be doing what he's been doing in Ukraine to your city in Wisconsin or in Dearborn, Michigan or in Hudson, Wisconsin or in Hershey, Pennsylvania, or I can't think of someplace off the top of my head in Arizona, Mesa. Flag Mesa, he would be doing it. He would be doing it. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Let's talk a little bit about the Beltway, inside the Beltway. Here we are as we're recording this. We're in Washington, D.C. And I was thinking about this on my trip here. I want to go back to Johnson for a second, right? And, you know, what appears, at least on the outside, Trigby, to be the end of the Mitch McConnell era in the Republican Senate. What happens to all the lobbyists, to all the consultants, to all of the people, many of whom we might be friends with or at least we've done work with, they are entering a new epoch. And if you get the trifecta of a, you know, God forbid, a Republican House, a Republican Senate and a Trump in the White House, like official Washington, what I call the political bureaucracy, I don't think understands even after four years of Trump the first time what they're in for. I think that there has to be some real soul searching. Let's say that you had kind of the traditional, you had the career path where, you know, maybe you went to an Ivy League university like Harvard or someplace like that. And then you went down and worked on the 2000 Bush campaign, maybe in a policy role. And then you went to the White House and maybe you were a deputy chief of staff or a senior advisor to the president or something like that. Then you go and join one of America's biggest corporations and Make a bunch you know, of you money. met your spouse, you met your spouse in that same world right. and you hang around with people like Brett Kavanaugh and people like that. <laughs> you think that if Donald Trump and these people don't come back, that eventually one of them is going to say, because this is how autocracies work. I want your $2 million a year job and shares in right. a tech company, you know? And I, you probably figured out, I had to have a model, so I right. just modeled someone we both know. Right. So you probably know who I was using as the model, but like, that is going to happen. That is going to happen. And your great place and great falls or all of that life is going to go. And this is where, in the fight that we're in, it's not just the institutions of democracy that have to rally. It's the institutions of the country that have to rally. For those in entertainment out in Hollywood, I know we have Hollywood people who listen. I had an actor who liked something I posted on Facebook recently. Really? Yeah. This is cool. And my, I can't wait to go to Vegas with my buddies and tell them that this particular person like, likes something that <laughs> I had because they're going to be like, show us. But if you're the first call, I just recently read a book about World War II and the first call that Roosevelt made, not the first call, but the first day after Pearl Harbor was bombed, he called the guy who ran Hollywood and said, you're going to war. He called Henry Ford. He called Boeing. He yeah. called Chrysler. People who hated each other's guts and said, yeah. you're all getting together. We're going to war. Like the country, when it's at risk, all these elite institutions, academia, which is about thought, entertainment corporate, like they need to be rallying together and understanding what's at stake. And if you're on K Street and you've had that background, if you don't think that they won't eventually come for you, or if you are a CEO of a big company and don't think that Don Jr. or some other person may show up at your door one day and say, hey, you know what? We're now business partners. Right. No, look, and it won't be. It will happen. It won't be delivering pack checks. It'll be delivering suitcases full of cash. Well, or it will be delivering a bunch of shares of your stock. Or, you know what? You have tax liabilities. Either you put this thing up for sale and you sell it to Joe 
for or, a discount, right? Or for yeah, at twenty percent of the par value, or you're done. But Trigby, what about the DOJ? Won't they stop that? What about the SEC? Won't they stop that? <laughs> right. Exactly. They won't stop that but when because, quite read- frankly, that's why you want. It. If you're an autocrat, listen. I wrote this book at one point. I got paid to write it. it didn't get published, but it got used in Foreign Service World and USG World. And one of the things that I outlined in that book is sort of the way this process works. And autocrats almost universally first go after the media because you got to control the media. And earlier this month, Cash Patel, who is a goon, a MAGA goon par excellence, went on Steve Bannon's podcast and said those very words, we're coming for the media. Well, and they really use parts of the first term to start to impact it, but they will go further to try and actually get major media under friendly allies so right. that they're not attacked. And it's really and not, that, it's not that move, hard trip, to be honest. Eventually, you move to a point where you nationalize them or they just take control of them. I mean, that's yeah. if you're going full on autocracy. If you're going more like the Orban model, you just get your friend to own it. And, yeah. you know, so Chris Ruddy ends up owning the New York Times and the Post and right. all the rest of them. And Bezos might get to keep Amazon for a while, but hey, you're going to sell us the Post. That's just sort of the way it works. But, you know, the second place that they usually go is justice, you know, courts and the FBI, the intelligence community. Right. They're the, also the, making the, plays. The power there. ministries. Right. Yeah. Where you have the tax inspection, where you have the power to start dictating, because what this all is, is it's a giant money making operation in many ways for those who are around. It's incredibly lucrative for a small amount of people. It's incredibly miserable for everybody else. And, you know, there's a whole lot of people. I mean, I look at Kevin McCarthy like this. I would serve in another Trump administration. Kevin McCarthy's never going to be on the inside of that. Never. It's a small core around him who it's really good for. The appeasers, they usually end up meeting a pretty rotten fate. Well, and for somebody like a McCarthy, too, I could very much see him having a a Chris Christie-like fate, which is. He's on the inside, he's on the inside, he's in the, on the inside, and then one day, you know, he's publicly humiliated yet again. Oh, for sure. Publicly humiliated or maybe even taken out and flogged to create an example. Like, the more you appease these guys, the more you open yourself up to being the guy that they create an example of using sort of harsher tactics, repression, violence, whatever, because it demonstrates, well, if he's willing to do that to Kevin, my Kevin. What's he going to do to me? What's he going to do to me? Right. It's all about dictating behavior. I have said this. I said this to a United States senator who's pretty pro-Trump. The reason why Mike Pence was the focus wasn't really about Mike Pence doing his bidding as in, we're going to certify these electors. It really didn't have anything to do with that. What it really had to do with, Mike Pence had been a as loyal to Donald Trump as anyone. And the message with hang Mike Pence was, if you're willing to hang Mike Pence, you're willing to hang any of them that the mob got a hold of. And the reason Josh Hawley, talk about a guy who, Fox tough guy, who, oh, I'm so tough. I guarantee you that guy's never been in a fight. Never, never. But like that, it's all about sending messages. Because remember, inevitable, invincible through fear. Strategy of every one of them. Right. And we got, as y'all are listening to this, about 46 weeks, Trigvi, to make sure that all of the stuff that we have just talked about does not happen, that all of the coalitions that have been built need to be rebuilt, strengthened, and led, frankly, 
you know, all that needs to get done. And, you know, a year sounds like a long time. You and I know that it's that weird paradox of time and politics, which is, you know, a week is an eternity and a year is the blink of an eye. And, you know, if you don't get done what you got to get done, we're going to be sitting there on election night, November 5th, going, what are the things we got to do? And if that list is more than a couple things long and those were just the ones that were either impossible or not important enough to get to, then we will know we have not done what we needed to do. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'm sure as hell not going to be that guy. I don't want to be that person either. And I think the other thing is that people have to understand is, you know, he's setting the table. Whenever you and I talk, every once in a while, you and I will talk, of course, and you'll say, you'll say to me, great, you sure have made my mood better. Right. (laughs) And I always remind you, I preach Old Testament. Right. But as you also remember, we sat in September of 2020 out in Park City and I I had just arrived from Europe and I said to you and some others, he's not going to concede. This is where he's going. And somebody had asked, I think it was Stuart, said like, what's the worst he could do? And I'm like, well, he could try and start a war. He could hold a mega rally and storm buildings. And after the <laughs> January 6th, you're all like, how'd you know that? I was just kind of kidding. But here's where I think he's going based on the other autocrats. So they're already talking about Insurrection Act on day one. Now, I want people to go to election day, to November 5th. November 5th happens. And suddenly you're sitting there, you voted for Biden, you're really worried about it. And Joe Biden has won the popular vote by 10 million votes. That likely will happen. I would take the over on 10 million, maybe eight. But he's lost Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan by a cumulative total of 40,000 votes. A million people showed up when Donald Trump won in 2016. Women showed up on the streets. There will be people all over the country showing up saying, we are not going to accept this. And I, I want people who are listening, most of our, the people who would be listening are probably people who will support Joe Biden, stand for democracy. I believe that. You're going to be saying to yourself, this can't happen. You're pretty likely to say, I got to do something. You're probably going to want to go out and protest. You have a right to go out and peacefully protest. But Donald Trump is already laying the table for that as the foundation for him to say on day one, we have to enforce the insurrectionist act. These radical, crazy people are out there. The insurrectionist act basically gives the president the power to do whatever he wants. Now, I've said this to people and they're like, well, what will Congress do? Well, what Donald Trump probably will do is, if he goes the full on autocrat route, is send the U.S. military in and say, you aren't meeting. That game is Or as we saw in the book, in the famous book, It Can't Happen Here, put them in, quote, protective custody. Correct. (laughs) Supreme Court. What's the Supreme Court going to do? You know what? Like, they're not there to overturn it. Or you have a presidential decree. Like, What's that going to do? It's going to further exacerbate the people coming out and saying this cannot stand like we have the potential if we don't do what we have to do, which is people have to rally together. They have to understand Trippy does this riff better than I could ever do it. But he's Joe Trippy. You vote for Robert Kennedy Jr. You vote for the no labels candidate because you're mad about something in the game that, you know, I don't like Joe Biden's position on abortion, or I'm angry about this, or I'm angry about that. I'm going to vote for somebody else. You do that, you are casting a vote for Donald Trump. It is that simple. Whoever it is that's running against Donald Trump, if you're not voting for the person most likely to beat him, you're going to fall in the same trap that they did in Poland for all those years, and they just got out of it. And they are lucky that they had the potential to, because as our mutual friend Ann Applebaum said, probably the last shot. All right. Well, I can't top that. 
So <laughs> we're going to stop there. Before we let you go, though, where can our viewers and listeners find you on social media? Where can where else can we find your work? Yeah, you can find me on at Trigvi Olson, T-R-Y-G-V-E-O-L-S-O-N on Twitter. And I tweet all the time about democracy and and I try and keep it nice. I really don't. I, I might be that one guy and my daughters, Reed and I have daughters who are similar in age. My daughters, I don't know about yours, but I actually try and thank everybody who says nice things yeah, oh, on nice Twitter. Thing. And my daughters are like, you got to stop that. <laughs> don't stop that. As always, gang, you can find me on Twitter at Reed Galen, on threads and Instagram at Reed underscore Galen underscore LP and on Substack at the Homefront. Trig V. Olson, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And everybody else, we'll see you next time. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to The Lincoln Project on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or however you listen. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. To connect with us, follow us on Twitter, at Project Lincoln. And for more information on our movement, to join our mailing list, subscribe to our newsletter, or make a contribution to our efforts, visit lincolnproject.us. If you want to message the podcast directly, please send an email to podcast at lincolnproject.us. And if you want to personally join the fight to save our nation's democracy, visit jointheunion.us. For The Lincoln Project, I'm Reed Galen. I'll see you on the next episode.